Um, welcome, America. Yeah, welcome, America, to the 61st welcome. episode of the Good Friends podcast. What a nice number. 60, or what a nice just like number to change into a word. 61st. Totally. 61st. Wow. That's not good. Starring me, Jack Dale, and my co-host, Nazir Khan. I mean, podcast <laughs> and mayor. We'll get to that later, though. Yeah, we'll get to my confession, my ambivalent <laughs> confession later. <laughs> um, but yes, I am Nazir. Um, it is an honor to be here. Um, yeah. I just got a neck tattoo, so it is a little yeah. raw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of a tiara. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't um, have done that if I was him, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's a ton of things I wouldn't have done if I was him, and none of them, and all of them are shit he did once he was already arrested. Like, only yeah. criminal in history who did more stupid things while locked up than beforehand. Like... Totes. Do you respect yourself, bitch? Um, but we'll save that. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We're gonna talk about the night of finale slash, like, the whole show. Did we even talk about it? I don't think we talked about it. I don't it think so. At all. So we can just talk about the night of, um... We're going to talk about two very big albums that were released this past week. Um, one by God herself, and um, the other one by one, like, like one wave, like, one little breath of air named Frank Ocean. Like, literally, he is just, like, a gust <laughs> of wind to me. Like, <laughs> like, pop music's favorite shadow, Frank Ocean. Okay. And... Yeah, and then we're going to do talk about other stuff. But first, okay, wait. First, we wanted to... Okay, so a couple episodes ago, I think episode on our 58th birthday, or 59th, we mm-hmm. talked about... Um, we discussed the topic of anxiety, um, which garnered a lot of responses. I was very surprised. I got a lot of... Really? A, a lot. Yeah, I got like... 10 text messages, like, a couple people just talked to me IRL, um, and then we got a couple emails, like, in our inbox. People responded. Uh About anxiety? About anxiety, about our discussion of anxiety. Like, anxious people responded to you? People who were anxious? People, well, everyone who responded understood what we were talking about. They related to it to a certain degree, um... And, yeah, anxious people, I mean, it wasn't, like, they weren't people who, it's not, we didn't, let me say this, we didn't diagnose anyone who didn't know, but I got a lot of responses from people who had never really heard it articulated or never considered it to be something larger than their own, you know, stability. like own mental or something. Insecurity, yeah, yeah, totally, like, it was never, I, I spoke to people who never bothered placing it in a broader context, which is, like, crazy. Um... And we got an email that I do want to read um, that asks us, you know, that asks us to elaborate on like a couple things. It is from um, one of my best friends, Seppo Bokwena, who currently resides in London. Um, and here is what she said. Um, Dear Jack, you're nasty. No, okay, okay. So, hi guys. <laughs> I felt, <laughs> hi guys. I felt compelled to write you after hearing you chat about anxiety on last week's episode. First, I have to couch this in the fact that non-traditional media in the UK, where I obviously work, um, Seppo is a weekend editor at Vice in London, um, 
the, uh, currently, the UK media is trying to untangle the topic of anxiety a lot at the moment, perhaps much more in the US. In the UK, about 5% of the population lives with an anxiety disorder, which classifies it as a common condition by the UK's National Health Service. One in four people overall will experience a mental health problem per year, according to a prominent mental health charity here. In the, in the breakdown of these figures, the highest proportion of people live with a combination of anxiety and depression. So this isn't some Eastwood-style pussy generation issue, as far as I can tell. This is about a group of illnesses, anxiety, stress, depression, and panic that can often catalyze one another. Um, I personally know that whenever my stress starts to tip over into anxiety, it manifests into a, lot of, into a loss of sleep and what feels like a slightly raised heart rate, which totally isn't raised, but just feels that way. Um, basically, to stop myself from writing an 800-word op-ed here, I want to ask you guys how you feel the media you consume is dealing with anxiety and mental health more generally. All the way from London, I don't really get a sense of how this sort of thing is being reported, and not in the lone wolf shooter mental health issues way, which, most significant, which mostly stigmatizes others with mental health problems. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on where you feel the conversation is going. Thanks, guys. Seppo. Oh, hi. Hi. Hi, it's us, America. How's the UK? Um, okay. Reporting live from the United States. It's yeah, us. reporting live from the United States. This is United States of America reporting live. Beep, 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 right. beep, 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 um, So, how do you feel that people... Okay, so, when we talked about anxiety, we sort of distinguished that it was, like, a difference between, like, there's a difference between, like, stress and anxiety and, like, depression and anxiety and that, you know... It is generational, either in the sense that, like, we are articulating it more than people used to, or we're, like, feeling it more than people used to. I think it's more that we're kind of... I think it's, like, a mix of the two. Um, do you feel like the media that we consume is sort of acknowledging it on any in any real way? I mean, I guess so. A little Especially bit? The, yeah. Like, I, I mean, it's definitely not at the point where people are either saying, like, you know, fuck anxiety that doesn't exist. You're a bunch of pussy millennials. I don't. It's not right. gotten to that point yet. You definitely see it more and more. Like right. I don't know, anxiety wasn't a thing five years ago. Right. You know, like in 2010, people were people had panic attacks. People have always had right. panic attacks. Uh, uh, but like, just being anxious, being anxious was never like a state of mental health. It was. It's always just like a mood. Like, you got a lot on your plate. Right. Yeah, you got a lot to do. You get anxious because you become worried. Right. Um, I, I mean, yeah. It was definitely never like, a prolonged state of being, I feel like. That's what I'm saying. It's never. It was never like a, it's like a, a state of mental health. Yeah, that's like a, a thing that is a, 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 like a health epidemic or something. I don't know if it's reached right. that level now. It certainly feels like more and more people are saying, you know, uh, I live with anxiety as if it's like some kind of... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, mental health disorder, which I don't know if right. it is or not. I have no idea. I don't. I get. I get anxious from time to time. I wouldn't consider it. I wouldn't consider myself living with anxiety. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's people who have uh, much uh, more dire cases of anxiety than I do, and I'd be interested right. in hearing from someone who who does feel like they they live with anxiety because right. you know I just want to know what it's like. I want to hear. I want to hear some stories. Right. I do feel you like have anxiety? What do you think the media? I, how do you think the media uh, relationship is handled? I don't think the I don't think the media covers it enough. That's for sure. I feel like I read a hundred different features or reports 
about like n- like the rise of like narcissism over like the last like five years. I feel like every once in a while there's like a Time magazine cover, like a Psychology Today cover, being like the narcissist generation. Like like is this generation like more prone to like sociopathology because they're more narcissistic? Like all of these other things that I think are being like very heavily touted as like signifiers of our generation that I think are more worthy of like pushing back against are talked about I think way more often than anxiety like I don't think anybody talks about it because I think most people I mean I don't first of all I don't think people talk about mental health much at all anyway right that's true like that is just like it's forever it's stigmatized it's a sign of weakness if it's not like a health ailment it's not going to be something that people feel comfortable talking about because it just makes them feel like they lack the things that make you a functional member of society which is mental health and like the ability to manifest like a competitive edge, right? Like if you're, if you have some sort of like mental health issue, you're probably not going to be like, the, the presumption is that you're not going to be the person in the room that's going to like step forward and like get shit done or like, you know, be cool. Threat. Be cool. Yeah. It's like, you're naturally just like being positioned as someone who's less than, which is like an insane way to look at like mental illness. Cause like, I don't know. I just think, yeah, I just think that's like a crazy, I think it's crazy to look at it as a disability of any sort that is like so debilitating there no, no, someone is no longer in the running. Like, I can't. Not only because like so many geniuses of our time and like various mediums have like suffered from like various issues, but because just like in general, like what an awful way to like tell people essentially not to look inward and like work on themselves and like consider how they feel. You know what I mean? I don't know. But I was talking to my friend David about this um, on our way up to your wedding, actually. Um, yes, he your talked friend about David. It as well. Yes, my friend David, um, who you met briefly. Um, yeah. And we were talking, and the way David articulated it was really interesting. He basically was saying that, you know, like, he thinks, and he, you know, he has a degree in anthropology. He's, like, really interested in, like, you know, behavioral sciences, mostly in relation to sort of, like, um, like groups and like the way in which like relationships and dynamics inform individual like identity and stuff like that. And he was saying that like there's a sense that the that humans have evolutionarily grown to be uh, have the ability to withstand um, high stress scenarios and high grade stress events, right? So like you know being attacked by a bear or like having to feed your family like all you know what i mean like yeah david takes it to like a to really like primal level of human to a primal level right and humans are able to handle that right like you know you can break it down in the social sciences and be like oh fight or flight like you know comes in and you know your your body decides like what all this but what humans are learning to cope with and what their brains are still having trouble developing is the ability to handle not not like um, occasional high grade stress, but a constant state of low grade stress, right? So like there are little things that are actually, that humans find it harder to deal with. Like it's almost harder to deal, or it's easier to deal with like, yeah, like handling a bear than it is constantly being stuck in traffic because there is like (laughs) the sense that like you lack control. (laughs) Literally, he really said that. And I agree. Like people lose their minds in like the smallest scenarios. But their body, but their naturally, their ability to handle like big stress is, it's, it can feel sometimes like, like when adrenaline kicks in and you're suddenly able to like 
you know, lift a chair and or like lift <laughs> lift a chair. Yeah, That's right. for me. Like lift that for me takes a lot of yeah. Lift a car or yeah. whatever. Like throw a bed across the room. Like your body like steps into a new state of being in a moment of like high stress, and yet during mm. like low grade stress, it just sort of like manifests and creates this like long simmering tension that your body does not know how to deal with and how to process, mm. and so you just sort of like adapt to live with it instead of overcome it. Does that make sense? Okay. Like. Which yeah. I think is a really interesting... It's, like, an interesting theory. I don't know. I thought that was, like, a really funny way of looking at it. Basically, what you're suggesting is that when there's traffic, we unleash bears into the traffic. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's the answer, and that's what the media is not talking mm. about. Like, when I'm stuck in traffic and I don't see a bear in the freeway, I'm like, okay, where are my tax dollars going <laughs> exactly? I get the but- I get the point that, that you were trying to make about... We just, we don't have to worry about survival, right? I mean, we don't have to worry about survival, right? Or like a precious few of us don't. I mean, like a lot of us don't have to worry about survival, but survival in America in like a specific sense, you know, we're far past it. Like as a developed country, like there's. Yeah, no, but I'm saying is like, we, what I'm saying is you and I don't have to worry about getting food. We could go to the store, use our money, and buy a sandwich. Or, right, right. We live in New York City, we don't have to worry about being attacked by a bear. Right. And I think there is something to, like, having that kind of, like, primal sense of fight or flight like you were talking about and then never yeah. having to use it. Right, totally. It just lays dormant and, like, yeah, you don't actually develop the ability to deal with... I mean, I think... And then that's, like, a whole other thing about mental health, right? Like, the the conflict is always, like, can't you just deal with it yourself? Which is, like, crazy. Like, no, of course you you can't necessarily. But I think, like, what David is talking about just on sort of, like, like an evolutionary level of, like, how, like what it is... Like, he's basically saying that it's not just generation... It is generational, but it's also generational, not as, like, a cultural mood, but as, like, generational in that, like, every passing generation is developing, like, ways to deal with it, but also is not releasing these other urges and, like, abilities that it has evolved to have, which is kind yeah. of, like, an interesting angle. Generations um, past used to just smoke cigarettes. That's how they dealt deal with anxiety. It. Right. Hold it in. Um, just drink and smoke. Yeah. And beat your um, kids. Beat their significant others. Yeah, beat their kids. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. I'm supportive of. Um, but it's just very, like, not chill anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's Beating not your as cool. significant others and kids. Beating your kids, yeah. It's not as, it's not yeah. as like, cool. Um, I'm right. kidding, of course, though I will say that I do think a little bit of discipline in grammar school doesn't hurt. <laughs> what? You heard me. <laughs> okay, a very I, dark I, ending to that topic. I'm sorry. I just think a nun <laughs> slapping a kid's hand with a ruler to get him to learn what a semicolon does works. I'm not worried about the kid... Not using this semicolon correctly. I'm worried about the kid who's, like, being a dick. I want the nun to slap the the the, 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 the little shit kid. Not right, the, right. Yeah, ba- not basically I want nuns to can't slap. can't figure out a semicolon. Right, right. I mean, the nun should just slap anyone that is sort of, like, causing a problem, whether it's intellectual mm. or otherwise. Um, mm. But to sort of, to quickly just answer Seba's question, no, I don't think that America, I don't think the American media is covering it as a serious topic. Um... I think they're going to cover it. If they cover it, it's going to be millennials are idiots. Anxiety is not a thing. Right. Exactly. It's going to be sort of like every article about like gluten allergies being fake or like it's like the only mental health stuff that trends or that is covered 
is something that you can apply to a broader um, capitalist trend. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I mean, I think anxiety is a result of that, but like, basically the only time you're going to see people talk about issues like that is if there is a relationship between how they spend their money, how they actually operate in the world, like how they contribute. So like narcissism is like a really easy mirror with which to understand like the changes in a consumerist society, whereas anxiety yeah. is, you know, essentially would be like, it's a difference between the media being like, okay, what is the thing that we're causing versus like, what is the thing that is allowing us to thrive? Like they don't right. want to talk about the thing that like the media is perhaps creating, which is like an entire generation that's like, doesn't know how to like not be susceptible to images because they're constantly surrounded by images. They're instead going to talk about like, what is the trait that this generation is developing that makes them so eager to post pictures on this app that is like creating revenue? Do you know what I mean? It's like, I just, I kind of feel like it always comes back and is more self-serving. The media has nothing to like gain from covering something that they might have a hand in creating often. Like, also, most of the media, most of the media like that, like magazine articles and time, Ma like people our age don't fucking read time magazine. Right. Or like time psychology magazine. today. Right. Yeah. It's really just for older people to understand what young people are doing, and they don't care that we're anxious. They just want to know why we keep taking pictures of ourselves. Right, because newsflash, guess what? Every fucking generation hates the younger generation. That's just how it is. I'm, going, I'm working really hard to not do that as I get older. It's going to happen. There's going to be a thing that comes out when we're like 50, and you're going to be like, what the fuck? And you're, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be, be so asshole. angry at myself. I'm going to be so angry at myself if I... I want to at least, I, I just really don't want to be that person. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. It of is like, annoying. Like, there's yeah. nothing yeah. I hate more than when I see a tweet from someone that's like, I'm officially too old to understand Snapchat. Like, hashtag grandma. I'm like, really? Because the entire Hashtag app, grandma. Yeah, like, the, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm officially a grandma. Like, I can't stay up past my bedtime and Snapchat? What's that? Like, I don't know what, I'm like, okay... The entire app can be operated using your thumb. Stop making yourself seem old. Like, I just hate, I hate it. It feels like a weird, stupid, like, self-victimizing, self-deprecating way of also making young people feel stupid and, like, frivolous. Like, ugh, I, go away. I, I agree. I agree. So, I'm going to so try to consciously not be a dick to the younger generation either, but... Yeah, I want to find some cool mix of being, like, a cool dad that gets it but keeps his distance. Like, I don't want to come in like whoa nice filter like i do not want to be that person <laughs> like skateboards hoverboards into a room yeah. like whoa snap me like, what's oh. going on dudes and dudettes dudettes i'm definitely doing dudettes <laughs> that one i'm doing okay. what's happening dudettes me talking yeah. to like all boys like okay yeah. well, um but thank you guys so much i do want to say thank you so much for like um, reaching out and talking to us about your thoughts on this topic. It's really cool to randomly want to chat about something and have it be clearly something that was on people's minds subconsciously or otherwise. It felt really good. People were really responding to it. It made me feel really good. Totes, Doc. Thanks for that. emailing Seppo. Please email us more with more questions. Please, God. Goodfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Please do. 
And uh, in a seamless segue, I will talk about something else that makes both of us anxious. Mm. Hate crimes. <laughs> huh? True. Hate crimes? True. Yeah. You're being very a- you're being very coy and shy. No, I'm not. I just, you know. Yeah. Oh. I'm just kind of looking around okay. my room. Well. Trying to digest you- some fact, some stuff mm. in my room. Don't, you know. Rod, do you have a hate crime of the week? Um, yes, I do, but I think it would be very polite if both of us just didn't say our hate crimes this week, and so I am going to just move on. (laughs) I'm going to consciously reject your (laughs) shitty idea and declare that you are the subject of my hate crime of the week this week. Okay, okay, tell the people what happened and allow me to defend myself, Nazir style. Alright, so... Uh, as a few of you are aware, I'm an employee of BleachReport.com, which is a subsidiary of Turner slash Time Warner. And as a benefit and perk of being a Time Warner employee, I get free museum admissions to like a ton of museums in New York City. True. Yesterday, a ton of sexual museums. Yesterday, I had the day off. Uh, you know, didn't really have any plans about what to do, what I wanted to do. Hit up my old good buddy Rod and I said, hey buddy, hey Roddy boy. I got all these free museum admissions. Any museum you want to go to? Huh? And what'd you mm-hmm. say? What'd you say? I said, I really like the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens. Right. And I said, oh, cool. And then and then I was like, oh, I only get one free pass for that, but we can split the difference. And you said, okay. And then you had to stupid write because you do stupid shit and you write and whatever. And then I was sure. like, all right, I'll go, I'll go wait for you. So I went. I got another free admission to the... To the Natural History Museum, went around there, walked around, saw some dinosaurs. Rod, you said you were you were you said you were gonna leave now. Get on a train, I'll meet you there. Guess what? Get on a train, transfer to Rockefeller Center, get on a, uh, an end train, go all the way out to Queens, get off the train. I look at my phone. Sorry, I can't go. <laughs> you fucking ditched me, bro. In Queens, which is bros the worst before hoes. <laughs> bros before hoes. Yeah, in Queens before Queens, frankly. Yeah. So anyway, I was left in Queens uh, by, to my own devices. So I just sat what did and you drank, do? sadly. Honestly, hot. <laughs> First of all, why didn't you have work yesterday? Because, uh, like, a month ago, I had some this uh, co-worker of mine wanted to, like, swap shifts with me. So now I have to work on Sunday. And I showed up at work. You, at, I, showed up, I, I showed up at the office at, like, 7 a.m. And she's like, what are you doing here? And I was like, what? And she's like, we switched. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, really? That's why you were up at 7 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, I was up super early. Kill me. Okay, so did you go to the Museum of the Moving Image? Yeah, I did. But I didn't really... I, I like, walked around just because I was like, well, I'm already out here. I got a free admission anyway, so... Right. But we're going to do it more around. properly next week. Right. I, I walked around, but I didn't, like, see anything. Okay, Cool. Good. Yeah. Um, we're gonna go next week. I'm so sorry. You know what though? I was on a train and I turned around. Oh really? Yeah, I was literally on a train. I was on a train and I got to like 81st, pretty much actually around where we were kind of, or like 86, and then got my text from, or like got like an email slash text from my editor, and literally I had to just like get off, go on the other platform, and head back. Uh-huh. That must have been a pretty uh, alarming text message. Was it like your column is shitty? 
But it was it was actually more scary because it was so chill. Like, hey, actually, we need a few more things, and I'm just like, mm-hmm, like literally while yeah. on a trend. <laughs> like, just really like, you got this right, and I'm like, you bet. Like, literally is in flushing queens. Like, just give me two and a half hours. Like, okay. I'm so sorry I left you in Queens. We're gonna yeah. do it right next week. Um, yeah, and I definitely I messed up. I messed up. So, like, part of the museum, there's, like, a section about uh, old arcade games, and it essentially mm. is just a, a floor where you can play arcade games. <laughs> oh, wait, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from the 80s and 90s. Like, I don't know if that qualifies like, as a museum or yeah, an arcade, yeah, right. but yeah, I'm I was like, glad. this is just an arcade. <laughs> Sounds kind of fun. What bar did you go yeah. to? Uh, there's one, like, right across the street called Astor Place. It's like oh, a big, nice. I didn't realize there was a, a big, like, a, like a, a studio lot out there. Yeah. And isn't yeah, Silver Cup that. Studios over there? Some. There's a big ass, yeah, there's a bunch of people walking around with, like, headsets and a bunch of movie type looking motherfuckers, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think Silver Cup Studios is over there. I think they, yeah, that's really, really, really great. Um, I think that next week we should go to the beer garden in Queens, blackout, and then go to the Museum of the Moving Image. <laughs> All right. Are you down? Let's do it. Um, what is your What is your work schedule now? Now, this is. I mean, it, it was just, just, this, is, this is just a one time thing. So it's the, the Friday thing. Is. Yeah. Nice. So you have it's, your sexual it, weekends. I I still have my sexual weekend. Yeah, you're right. So hot. It's very hot. <laughs> um, I apologize for that. Um, we're gonna do it right yeah. next week. I do All wish right. that you documented it and snapped it. I think there was content that you missed, but it's, true. it's okay. It's I need okay. to be better at marketing myself. Yeah, you need to sell yourself more. You need to sell yourself right. shorter. <laughs> right. Um, so this is a good segue to another crime I committed. Would you like to handle our oh, move fuck. into the discussion of <laughs> HBO's The Night Out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, starring you. Starring me. <laughs> yeah. Starring me, Nazir Khan, as Nazir Khan. Right. Um, so the night of was a what was it eight parts an eight part miniseries yeah it was an eight part uh, eight part miniseries um did it ha- it had was executive produced by David Simon I think no executive executive produced by um James Gandolfini oh right he was supposed to be in it rest in peace he was supposed to be John Stone yeah yes he was supposed to be John Stone so the night of is an eight part miniseries a very loose adaptation of this English show called um. Like criminal justice or something, I think called criminal justice. Very loosely connected, barely connected. The main plot points are pretty, pretty much the same, but yeah, it's a loose edit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But only in the sense of like anything noir is like basically the same. Like the things that made the night of great, which is great, I thought was great, um, is its mood, its tone. It has like a real bleakness, and it was so tense. um, So much tension in the episode. Yeah, oh my god, it's so tense. It's really unnerving. And it's also, like, I also kind of feel like, even if it is based on an English show, like, it is a really... The the show that I saw end last week is very much about America's criminal justice system. Like, I don't really think that this show, even if it's, like, a shot-for-shot remake of what's going on in England, like, the the gravity of it is just different because the night of was devastating to me at the end. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you heard... I, I heard a bunch of people complaining about about how, like, 
they wanted it to be like more of a whodunit and they wanted the guy who killed her to like they want to have the payoff of like seeing him get arrested and like freak out but it's not really about that you're right it's like totally 100 percent a look at the criminal justice system like on both sides right on both Uh, sides like the deals that you have to make out in court and the deals that you have to make when you're in prison and what happens right. to the to the people? You mm-hmm. know that kid. He was like some innocent motherfucking kid. Had some crazy shit happen to him one night, and then he exits a professional criminal who helped murder a guy. Right. Right. He's an accessory to murder. Literally in prison. In jail. In prison. So. Like, no, totally. I mean, so much compromise in the worst way. Um. Just so, I mean, should we give spoilers? Like, should we just, like, go into it? Yeah, fucking, yeah. If you haven't it's listened really to, to watch the night of, go, go, go fuck yourself. Go smoke crack by a bridge alone. Right. Um, using tinfoil. Using tinfoil. So, yeah, no, completely. It is about the criminal justice system on both sides. There are a lot of moments where, so, okay, so first of all, I do not need a whodunit. I mean, okay, so I just like ambivalent endings. Like, I. I think if they're done right, they're better. I think it's like I, I like do love whodunits. So I love I whodunits too. You, you do love whodunits. I mean, okay. I just don't think the two need to be mutually exclusive. Do you know what no, I mean? No, they're not. Like, it's not like necessary all the time to like you know like this one at work. Not like it, 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 it didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. And I think that if the show had pivoted into a whodunit, it would have betrayed like the other seven and a half hours of that show. Like, yeah, totally. I don't know. There's so okay. So basically, this show is about this kid Nazir Khan. He is a Muslim, I believe, Pakistani, um, like yeah. high school graduate. Um, he's you know from a working class family, deep in Queens. One night, he decides to take his dad's car, like a bad little boy, and like drive into the city to go to like some club or something. His dad's During a cab driver, the, by the way. His dad is a cab driver. His dad's my cousin. Did you know that? Fuck That's you. my cousin. Yeah, literally. Pay him on. No, it's not. Is it really? Yes, it is. What? Literally. I was I was watching it and I was like, oh, freaking K. Like, literally. Um, you could have told me that when you were, that. you could have told that motherfucking guy that. when At the you, bar? I know. Isn't it yeah. funny that I completely forgot? But it's because I didn't know who, I hadn't seen the Jason Bourne movie. So when he was like, you look like the oh. terrorist from Jason Bourne. I was like, thanks. And then by the time he left and by the time I looked it up, I was like, oh my God. Like. It's him. <laughs> and so if I saw him cousin, again. Huh? Yeah, that guy's my cousin. Um, he's literally, he was like in, up until like 2010, he was a watchmaker in Iran, not a professional what? actor. Um, he was in a separation, the Iranian language Oscar winning foreign film from oh, 2011. Cool. Yeah. Um, one of like the first big things I ever wrote in 2011 was I followed him around uh, LA on Oscar weekend. Um, Whoa, really? He was, yeah, yeah, for Salon. It was, like, one of like, the first big things I wrote. And it was just, That's like, cool. about, like, the craziness of him being, like, what is this? Like, what am I doing? Like, Angelina Jolie, like, came up and was, like, talking to, like, him and the director, Farhadi, who, like, they were, you know, so basically, so this is a total tangent, but, like, when a, when a foreign, when a country wins a foreign film Oscar, like, the Oscar goes to the country. It does not go to the filmmaker or the actor, like, Iran has won that Oscar, right? So, but the but the representatives for the film are like the lead actor and the director. So like they're the people representing the entire country. So they act. It's not like the politics of Oscar weekend where you're just going to parties to party. Like you are doing that, but you are also like representing your country. It's a bit more. It's political in a way more in a way different sense. 
Um, mm. And so it's really interesting, and it's also interesting because um, Iran is like an extre- is obviously like a fundamentally like faux Islamic country, and so like photographs of him drinking would have been insane. Oh, so like, so he had to be like sober like, the entire weekend. He had to make uh. sure that there were no photographs of people with drinks around him. Like there weren't tons of photographs of him with women because like the women are wearing right. like you know like you know dresses that are like Titties. revealing by standards. So. Um, right. and side note, like the morning after went because of the time difference, like the Oscars don't air, of course, in Iran period, but like, especially because of the time difference. Um, so it, the footage isn't on the internet, but like they print Farhadi's Oscar speech in the Iranian newspaper and they literally just change the wording. So it sounds like he basically like spoke highly of Iran as like stepping on America's greatness mm. in his Oscar right. speech, which he never did. Like they just literally I'm made sure up was... a speech and printed it. I'm sure he was very Insane. gracious and, and, and said some nice stuff. He was so gracious and said such a powerful things. It was a great, it's a great speech. I urge everyone to YouTube it. It is obviously on the Oscars YouTube page. It's really powerful and he's just preaching how there are more That's similarities awesome. between the artists in Iran and in America than there are differences and it's true for everyone around the world and of course like the lunatics running the country like ruined it. Anyway, this is like I a bet, total tangent. Is your cousin um, married? Wait, does he have a girlfriend? Um, he is married, but he does not have children. Oh, I was gonna say if he was single, he probably he probably would have gotten laid a ton. I would want to <laughs> hang out with that guy. Yeah. He's a good looking dude. He cleans up well. Well, and it's um, Oscar weekend, dude. He probably was doing and coke, a little yes. coke, maybe popping some pills. You know, going crazy, getting his little wing, getting his little penis touched. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, just pulling it out, putting it in someone's drink, stirring the martini glass, and being like, "Yes." Gare, you liked it. Anyone um, order a cocktail? That's what I would have said. Just silence in the room, like. <clears throat> um, no, he definitely would have gotten his um, dangling larked because um, he, it was like it was like a known fact that he was that movie was gonna win. It was like yeah. one of those like all right, like we all well, know what's up. So everyone. Maybe obsessed. we could have him on the um, pod and I can ask him about about making cocktails with his penis. So you are, of course, um, the recipient of the 2012 Foreign Film Oscar, but you're best known in America for putting your penis in various cocktails in L.A. Silence, dead air. You just hear a door slam. Like, thank you, Paymon Messi! (laughs) Okay, well, anyway, that was a massive tangent. It was a massive tangent, but my cousin is on the show, so insane, did not know. I mean, I knew in the first episode, but, like, he's, he's not in it for a long time. But anyway... So, Nazir, me, steals the car, right. goes, you know, steals it in, like, a sort of, like, boyish, active, like, teenage rebellion right. kind of situation. Right. Right. While he's in the city, and the show does a really good job, P.S., of making Queens truly feel like a suburb. Like, the act of getting into the city is, it's an so act. much different than what I thought it would be if you, like, lived in Queens in such close proximity to New York. Like, it truly was, like, him sneaking out and going into New York. Like, he might as well live yeah. in, like, Connecticut or something. It's really funny. Um... But, so he goes into the city, and various people get into the cab thinking it's, like, a real cab. He doesn't know how to turn the light off that says off-duty, whatever. He asks them to get out. And throughout the first episode, there's a lot of intersections of people sort of, like, coming in. So, like, these two cops pull up when it seems that there's trouble with him and these passengers. The cops tell the passengers to get out. The cops go, the passengers go. And then this mysterious girl, like, gets into the car, and she has this sort of, like, air about her. It's very weird. Low-key accent. Very manic pixie. She's, like, Manic Pixie goth girl. Like, Manic Pixie nightmare girl. Like, she has, like, a tinge of just, like, darkness to her, but she is very, like, 
like, where are you going tonight? Like, why don't you just live a little? Like, very whatever. They go yeah. to this bridge. Um, they do, like, ecstasy. They go back to her place. They play that weird game where you, like, stab in between your fingers with a knife. Um, he it's literally called stabs Peg. What's it called? It's called Mumbledy Peg. Mumbledy Peg? Yeah, they apparently used okay, to play what? it at my... My parents used to play it at recess when they were kids. Um, with what, like a pencil? No, like a fucking knife. They would play with a knife? Oh, yeah. God. Life was different back then. Yeah, um, yeah. My fucking God. Also, only in, like, what, like, the 50s or 60s would a game that insane be called Mumbledy Peg. Like, <laughs> no, it's such a cute um, name. <laughs> are you crazy? This seems like something, like, Vietnam PTSD people play to, like, you know, like, sound out the sounds of helicopters in their brain. Not something four-year-olds play, like, Mumbledy Peg. <laughs> but anyway, they're doing this. They do, like, a ton of, like, coke and stuff and, like, Whatever, like, they, so, he's, like, he's, like, a very, like, innocent kid to a degree. He doesn't so drink, they drink a bunch, he gets all fucked up. Right, he gets all fucked Something up, he's not like, used to. you're not sure if he's a virgin, like, he might be, he might not be, he's definitely not experienced with women, so whatever, they have sex, then we black out, and he, when we come back, he's coming to, in a kitchen, um, pretty much clothed, she's upstairs, he goes upstairs, like, put his clothes back on, and be like, I had a great time, literally, she's been murdered, like, 22 stab wounds. Then brutally he does a lot murdered. of stupid, brutally murdered, like a lot of blood, like definitely a crime of passion, um, of, of a certain kind of violence, like not just like a random, random murder. Um, he like picks up the knife, stupidly puts it in his jacket, and then everything just goes to shit from there. And the whole show basically like tracks his arrest, his being held at Rikers and um, without bail. Um, and on the other side, it's his like you know kind of street smart looked down upon district attorney or no what is he public defendant yeah, um, John Stone played by feet. yeah it was like disgusting feet who has this weird like eczema situation that is just like beyond like really bad skin rash going the on the eczema situation parallels him right right it does I mean I can't figure out what is what to you is the is like the symbolism going on there of like the decay of his skin and like and Nazir in jail so anyway yeah so Nazir has this uh, this attorney John Stone who's who's kind of streetwise and maybe does things not the most legally, but you know whatever he gets the job done. He's played he by the, the incomparable John Turturro, who uh, uh, kind of took the role over after James Gandolfini died. Um, right, James Gandolfini was the producer and was supposed to play John Stone. Yeah. So anyway, he has these this nasty um, <laughs> bout of bout of eczema and they detail it like painstakingly detail it throughout the series um it gets really gross it's almost like a, a character un uh unto itself, unto itself. the eczema um totally. and he like he goes to all these doctors he can't figure out how to fix it he goes uh eventually uh he like goes to this like eastern medicine doctor this chinese guy like in the lower east side and the guy gives him, like, this disgusting mixture of shit that he's supposed to drink, and it, like, ends up working for him. But then right, right before, right before the, like, the biggest moment of the trial, when he gives the closing arguments, the eczema comes back in full force and, like, is all over his body. Right. I don't know. It was just kind of, like, a full circle thing to me. Right. I don't think it necessarily, like, you know, he gets the case. Everyone's, like, surprised that he gets it because he's known to just cut deals he doesn't want to bring anything to trial and everyone the first like second episode first episode second episode everyone was like what how did you you get this job right like and very um, and like judges recognize him from being in the courtroom so much like the main judge is actually 
clearly likes him and is, like, proud of him for, like, getting this case. It's, like, a right place, right time thing. Yeah. Um, through, a, through a series of circumstances, he has to give the closing argument, which he did not know he had to, um, which is when, like, this rash thing comes back. But all through this, we see Nazir sort of, like, having to also adapt in prison and sort of befriends this guy who's, like, a famous boxer on the outside who's, like, in jail for life and, like, uses him as protection, kind of goes into his inner circle. Eventually, Nazir, like, shaves his head, starts getting tattoos. Like, the show does a really good job of complicating the things that, like, make him initially seem innocent by just, like... Yeah. Making... By, by challenging your idea that, like, people who appear this way or do these things are inherently acknowledging, like, their guilt or that these are signs that they are people who can commit acts of violence, but rather it's, like, no, this is just how you survive. Like, this is how you survive right. in jail. And it's it like requires gotta... just as much compromise as everyone else on the outside does to, like, make a court case happen. Like, both things are tiny miracles if you can get through them, you know? Totally. It's like, you know, you got to cut deals in court just like you got to cut deals in prison, and that's what happens. Totally. Yeah. Like, in for a couple episodes, like, a new lawyer steps in, this, like, high-powered um, woman who is taking the case on pro bono because it's a high-profile case and would be, like, good for her portfolio or whatever um and there's like this really smart way that the show keeps mimicking the rules that he has to follow on the inside with jail in jail and the rules that he has to follow when dealing with the press at a press conference and that like both like both the guy that takes him under his wing in prison and his new lawyer are like don't make eye contact like you know like don't slump like right. make sure that you like look like look people but like you know don't look intimidating like basically like all of the same rules that apply to, like, surviving in prison are the same ways that you survive public scrutiny, like, during a high-profile case. And, like, the two things are mirrored, like, so well. The show is so good. It's so... And it's so sad, but it's not... It's not, like, um... It's not melodramatic. It's just so... Yeah. It's just so sad. Like, he develops... It's like, it's like very Wire-esque, right? Is, yeah. I would imagine... Is it Wire? So, like I've that. never seen The Wire, but it felt like it has that sort of, um interconnectedness, the bleakness, the way in which these institutions are all fundamentally flawed and interconnected. That seems like what The Wire is interested in. Yeah, totally. I mean, The Wire is kind of just like a string of like, this happens and that makes this happen and then this happens and then that happens. Like, it's all connected and that's pretty much The Night Out. I need to like, watch The Wire. Would I love it? Yeah, if I love yeah, The Night Yeah, Out. it's... The, the, the Wire is maybe the best TV series I've seen. But um, it's the same, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing where it's these issues in the United States today that people take for granted a lot of times and you don't really understand how how closely they're tied to one another and, like, the kind of bullshit that happens just because the institution's the way it is, you know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Like, so, yeah. this kid goes into jail, is presumably innocent until proven guilty, and even if and when he gets out... Um, whether he's innocent or not, like, you know, his life is... His, it's fucked his, up. It's fucked up. Like, it's completely ruined. Like, you know, the legal fees to just pay for the court case, like, bankrupt the family, pretty much. There is this, like, weird tension. And he's a drug addict house. now! And he's a drug addict! Like, the last shot is just so... It's not the last shot, it's, like, the second to last shot of the show is just, like... Like, literally, I, like could not stop, like, welling up. Like, I didn't cry, but, like, I just had this, like, violent lump in my throat, and my eyes were just, like, so glazed. It was just so, so tragic and so real. Like, this is someone who's not gonna, like, 
shake off who he was in prison. And, you know, I think the hardest thing for me, that I, the thing that I feel like that character I have to grapple with that I think is probably true for a lot of people is, like, you make these compromises in jail to survive, and then when you leave, you sort of wonder, like, okay, which version of me is the one that has, like, compromised my real self the most? Like, the person I think I am in the real world who does not commit acts of violence to survive, or the person I had to be in jail. Like, who is the more authentic version of, like, Nasir, you know? Or, like... And I think that that's, like, a really crazy thing to have to grapple with in our criminal justice system. That you can come out the other side and have who you think you are be completely undone and not really even recognize yourself or know what your value system is or what your moral code is. Like, who's, you know, who, what's the persona that he's had to adopt? Because I, I feel like when I watch the show, like, there were moments where it felt like we were supposed to believe that Nasir has settled into a version of himself he maybe likes more in prison. You know, this version of him that is not invisible, that is sort of, you know, not quite powerful. They do a good job of never making it unrealistic the way that he sort of comes to, like, he doesn't, he never runs the prison, which I feel like is the thing that happens in a lot of these things. Like, like, well, look how prison changed him. He's now, like, the badass. Like, no, he's still sort of, like, a second wing, and he's just within with the right people but there's a sense that i think he he walks different like he just his entire persona changes like so intensely that i can imagine it being intoxicating you know and i think a lot of people leave jail and then don't know how to function in the real world and go back you know um and in film at least or in the real world i don't know there was just so much that happens with nazir's character and the show's so quiet and it doesn't like hit you over the head with any of it and it just it really like broke my it literally broke my heart it was so 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 it does use like it does use symbols pretty well like there's the whole thing with the cat that's supposed to mimic his ears like thing the him and him and his bro keep like going back and forth with that book the call of the wild they don't like go out of their way to mention like the plot of it or whatever and it's only like briefly like the guy at the end gives nazir a, a copy of the book like as he's leaving prison but yeah i mean that's a book about this dog that like gets taken out of this like sweet life and he's forced to be a dog in in Alaska and like he basically just becomes like this wild animal. Right. That's pretty much what happens to him. Which is totally what happens to Nazir, right. It's like a means of survival. And but but that's like another that's another example of like the question of like which version of, of Nazir is real, right? Like because that dog that is like then put into Alaska that adapts, like that dog is still a dog. Like it's becoming what it evolutionarily is, right? Like, it's surviving, but it's not necessarily putting... It's unclear if, like, the dog when it was, like, domesticated or this dog in the wild is, like, more. which one's more real, which one's, like, the real dog. It's like, I don't think Nazir leaves jail feeling like, whoa, I have to put on this persona in jail. We know he can't shake it off. We know that at least he leaves with this, like, devastating, like, crack addiction. Brutal. Yeah. But... It's crazy, yeah, the show's really good with symbols, Ugh, and it's also dude. really good at placing everything in this, like, really quiet post-9-11 context, where, like, yeah, yeah. it's not over, it's not beating you over the head, because the reality is that, like, you know, we live in New York, like, I don't walk around every day with this sense of, like, 9-11 has, like, changed New York into this, like, radically racist, like, dystopian city, it's like, no, the ways in which that event have, like, shaped how we view certain people and criminal justice and, like, acts of violence is, like, mu- at a much quieter frequency than that. Uh, but they're the but worst everywhere. Scene, the most brutal scene for me was when, after he he gets home from prison and, like, he, like, goes up to his room and he sits down and his mom joins him. 
Oh, uh, uh, isn't that brutal? Because the mom kind of so thinks that he did brutal. it for a little bit. So and he like knows that, and so he's like, he just like you can tell he just like won't talk to his mom or like ever again. He, he fucking hates her. Yeah. Right, and 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 there's no moment of relief either because the mom. We should say like he's not found guilty or innocent. It's a hung jury, right? So like, yeah, there is no. If if the mom was waiting for some sense for like the system to tell her that her son was innocent, which is probably irrelevant, because the minute you think your child is a murderer, like I think the damage has been done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but she doesn't even get that. So like, I think there's this double moment of kind of like he can't forgive her, and I don't. I'm not entirely convinced that she'll ever be completely sure that he didn't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least yeah. not until this other person goes to jail for it. Like if right. if we're let if what happens is what happens. I don't know. It's so, it's so brutal. And the show also has these like really brilliant ways of like, like I remember there's this like really small scene early in the show where like Nazir's brother gets kicked out of school for getting in a fight with someone else um, over something about his brother. And he like acts out and the parents are like, he's never acted out like this. Like this is crazy. And then we find out like a few episodes later that Nazir has a history and got kicked out of a school for doing the same thing. And yeah. There's no relationship between those two events. Like, they don't really say anything about each other, but, like, that is just such a, like... That was just such, like, a brilliant way of both complicating Nazir's, like, inner life and personal life and his identity while also placing it in context and be like, well, I think it's also kind of a... The react, like, a reality of, like, reacting to the world you live in. Like, Nazir's brother and him are different people and they both reacted to a situation in the same way. So even if we're supposed to think of this as evidence that Nazir has violent tendencies, like, he's also a victim of circumstance because his brother is a different case and the same thing happened. It's like the show just has this, like, really great way of complicating and destabilizing all of your the things that you think. It's so good. Everyone has to watch so it. And John Turturro is so good. And he's really good. John Turturro is really great in it. He's so great. He's so great. His closing statement is like his Emmy moment. He's so yeah. good. I love... I just always loved him. I just love him. He's the best. He's pretty versatile because he was so funny. Like in all those Coen Brothers movies, he's hilarious. And, and he's movie, even funny in this. Show, he's great. Yeah, he's funny. He, he's, just, yeah, he's great. He has just the perfect... He is like a... He is a truly one-of-a-kind delivery. Um, yeah. The first thing I ever saw him in, though, was Secret Window, that weird Johnny Depp movie. <laughs> And oh, yeah. I was like obsessed. I was like obsessed with him from there, but, but I thought he was like a scary dude. I didn't even know he could be funny. And then everything since I have seen. He's I saw him on the train one time. What? That's great. Yeah. Where was he going? What direction? Uh, he got off One Sixty Eighth Street. He got on at One Sixty Eighth. He got off at One Sixty Eighth. Wait, really? Was he literally yeah. filming the night of? That is maybe so he was funny. doing. Maybe he was doing like character research for Eczema or something. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Maybe he went to get get Eczema. Yeah. Or maybe he lives there. He strikes me as someone who's probably from New York. I don't know. <clears throat> He's probably Italian, though, right? Tutoro? Tutoro? Whatever. Uh, um, yeah. So everyone should watch The Night Of. It's all on HBO. Um, we didn't really spoil that much. It's worth seeing. It's not well, even we did spoil the spoiled. fact. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. If you're looking, if you're going to watch this because you are interested in, like, a whodunit, that's, it's not even important. Right, I think all, yeah, I think all we did is adjusted your expectations, and we're, the type of show this is is it's it's irrelevant really. The crime right. is just like is just like one piece of like the system's failure, mm. you know? Oh, right. it's so brutal, so good. So anyway, freaking night good out. job. Um, good.
Good let's job. Quickly do our, let's quickly do our let's quickly do our good friend and, and double tongue because we're we're running a little extendo version here. We are running, so maybe we'll save um, our album talk for next week when you can have a minute to listen to it too. Should You're right because I haven't listened to it. Basically, I listened to the Britney album and it's hot trash. Uh, okay, it's oh, okay. It's literally so good. No, it's awful, dude. You can't even don't even lie. There's not going to be a single popular. There's not going to be one popular song off this album. It's been released okay. for a week and no one's talked about it. It's so good, Stop. though. No, no, it's not. Def- no, I want you to defend this album and shut up at the same time. I, <laughs> my night of is um, is me defending this album. Yeah. Wait, we didn't really talk about the idea of me being in the night of. Like, should we remake a remake? Thoughts? Hmm. You as Nazir Khan. Me as Nazir. Hmm. I'd like to see the scenes of you in prison. Oh my god, uh, me with a tiara tattoo on my neck. Like, right. like me like slicing someone's neck like, yes! <laughs> Can you imagine just that voice in jail? Yes! Yeah. I could see you, yeah, I could see everybody like joining Being your scared. prison gang and, and calling you daddy. Totally, right? Where yeah. some new fresh meat walks in and I'm like, Carl, bring me that fresh piece of meat! Right. Yes, daddy. Good job, boy! Brings him into my prison cell. Close the door! It's like such a high squeak. And then me on the stand. (laughs) Yes, I had sex with her. Of course! (laughs) Just constantly cutting to the jury's like really skeptical face. It was passionate! The jury starts cringing. (sighs) Yeah. I placed my penis in her. Yes! I don't remember the knife, but if my sexual prowess is any indication, yes, I could have killed her. Everyone's like, he's innocent. Like, I could confess and I would get off. Well, I use my like, sheer strength. It sounds like the Night Of remake with you would be ten times better than this Britney Spears album because it is fucking <laughs> awful. What about um, Just Love Me? Have you heard Just Love Me? No, it all sounds the same, and I hate all of it, and I couldn't tell you the difference between any of the songs. Um, you are a vile piece of trash. Um, like, it, it, it finally has dawned on me how horrible of a music... Like, like she might be... A show, a showman, show person. I don't know what the correct term is, but she's not a showstopper, a god, she's not a legend, an icon. A good, she's not good at doing music. <laughs> Why? <laughs> she's she's a legend. I understand that. I'm not debating her legendness. I'm debating. I'm just simply saying she's not good at making music sound good. Hmm, interesting. She's bad um, at that. That you can be this wrong. Um, yeah, um, she's literally amazing. Um, and she has the body that we dream of. And okay. none, none of this um, is something that I, I've, I've not, I'm not debating any of this. Did you ever like Britney? Were you ever a super fan? Like, uh, I mean, when, like, I was, like, 12, I thought she was really hot and I, like, wanted to do her. yeah. Like fair, but I, I can't say I can't say toxic? that. I'm, yeah, I well, that's yeah okay sure. Uh, Amazing I, song. I, I I can't like go out of my way like I can't say that I like any of her music. I, toxic. I used to think it, you don't even like but, toxic. Like okay, even the ones that are like borderline, I might like those songs. At least like the the music around her mediocre singing is good. 
but this like new <laughs> album is just all bad. I think you need to listen to Just Love Me. <laughs> Will you be listening to Just Love Are you playing it right now? Should I play it? No. That's okay. okay. I'll figure it out. You will figure it out. Here's okay. Here are my thoughts on Britney. I like she's not a good singer. She's not. She's not a great singer. Alicia Keys is a great a very, singer. She's a who? Who is? Alicia Keys is a great singer. Uh, you know, Christina Aguilera, great singer. Uh, okay, but here, Beyonce, Christina Aguilera is a better is a better comparison. Christina Aguilera is a better comparison. I think that there is. She's not the best singer, but her there is a malleability to her voice that makes her such a legend. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, yes, Christina Aguilera's voice is so powerful. It like it overpowers. She doesn't disappear into a song. The thing I like about Britney's voice, like <laughs> even if I, even if I take off my bias cap, is that she like her best album is that album Blackout that she made literally when she was blacked out for like two years during her nervous breakdown, which we do not speak of. Um, and what makes it so great is that, like, it's sort of the way that, like, EDM songs, like, just incorporate female vocals, like, completely, like, absent female vocals. You just put them in for, like, the, for, like, you know, the rise in a chorus. You know what I mean? Like, there's just yeah. these sort of, like, indie vocals or, like, if you're a really, like, lame DJ, you just use these, like, black soul vocals or whatever. Like, her vocals aren't powerful, but there is, like, they're so distinct and so recognizable. And I just feel like, there's something about a Britney Spears song that is, like, it's almost like you're just listening to, like, a beat. Like, truly, like, kind of like you're saying, like, the music around her. But I just feel like her voice is, like, kind of meant to disappear into, like, mm. her songs. Kind of in the way that Madonna was never a great singer. But those, but even a great Madonna song is never, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many good Madonna songs. And, like, her singing isn't the thing. And her dancing wasn't the thing. There's just sort of something about certain pop stars where you mold them into the music. I think people use that as a negative with Britney, that she's just sort of like a puppet and has no agency, which I think is true. I don't think there's a lot of like creative direction that she no. necessarily has. No I don't see her way. in the studio. I think she just Dude, like, this sounds cool. Like, yeah, this she's is cool. But the most She's an instrument. She's an instrument. She's the most she's the artist with the deadest eyes. <laughs> There's but, no, there's but nothing behind her eyes. So are like there's there's trauma. All of like the beauty and life and innocence was like so violently extracted from her body that like <laughs> that like she's just dead. She's dead. She's got dead eyes. She's no it's hope. It's so real. It's she, so true. She's never been. She like when she was at the height of her popularity, she was like cute and like interesting and and you know it was like. I enjoyed just just watching her and, and looking at her. And now it's like, yeah, she's, like, really attractive, but she's so dead. I mean, I agree. I, it's so true. Okay, I, I agree with that. I, I, do you think, okay, some, uh, tell me this. Do you think her, whose story is sadder, hers or Michael Jackson's? Michael Jackson's story is a thousand million times more sad. Really? You think so? I think Britney's <laughs> is more sad. Michael Jackson would get beat by his dad every day. He had his fucking childhood, like, ripped from his hands. Britney Spears at least had a childhood. Did she? She was 17. You're talking Dude, about, Michael, like, babiness. Like, child Michael Jackson. Child. Michael Jackson was, like, seven. I know. It's true. It's hard to put these traumas together. But there's something... You know what I think it makes Britney's more sad to me? I think it's that there is still this sort of, like... This weird 
means to an endness of Michael. That like the trauma and tragedy of his like demons were equal and were such an important part of what gave us like his gifts. But something about Britney's is so like she doesn't have she's beloved, but she's not respected, I don't think, in the way that Michael is. Not that that makes it better, but there's just something about this all for notness with Britney's like I don't know. It's they're different traumas, I guess. But Britney makes me so that her nervous breakdown was so sad. It was so it was violently extracted, like you said. It's so brutal. I wrote a whole thing about it, a whole essay about her 2007 VMA performance. Um, I don't know if you read it. Did you mm. read it? Did you cry? When when did you write it? Um, I wrote it for my friend Joey's Lit Mag. Shout out Otherwares Mag. Oh, shit. Uh, volume 4, Disaster. It is available I'm... at a bunch of bookstores in the Bay Area. Everyone should pick up a copy. Well, anyway, no, I knew I knew, I, I knew, you wrote something for Joey's magazine, but no, I didn't read it. Yeah. Maybe um, I, I will send it to you. Yeah, yeah, I will send it to you. It is all about Britney's 2007 breakdown and my personal relationship with it. Uh, irrelevant. But, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I don't know. There is... Britney's definitely, she's a curious, she's like a, she's a curious artist. I don't know. She's like a, she's, she's definitely, definitely experimental. She's what? She's definitely what? I, I was going to say she's definitely the voice of a generation. Definitely the voice of a generation. And I think you have artists that have all learned her mistakes and are not making them or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I we will never yeah. see another Britney Spears in a lot of ways. We'll never see anyone who can like, run the cultural conversation in the way globally that she is, that she did, like, ever again. But we also won't see anyone with such little agency as a result of, you know, like, I don't think we'll ever right. see another celebrity that can ascend to where she is without the without a level of control over her own image, you know? Like, yeah. anyone right now that is going to touch Britney's orbit in terms of fame, which I don't even think will ever really happen again, will do so on their terms a little more. And Britney never had terms or, like, much of a say, which is, like, crazy. She's really, like, the last of something in that way, I think. No, I agree, um, I agree. Which is, like, crazy. But, I mean, yeah, she just always... She's, I just feel like she's always worked with such, like, interesting producers. Like, she worked with the... I mean, like, I don't think it speaks to her artistic inclination. I think it's just her working with whoever's hot at the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Timbaland or the Neptunes or, you know, um, Ying Yang Twins, even. <laughs> like, yeah. just, like, all of these, like people at the time, there's just something about Britney's vocals which aren't strong, but they've always been recognizable. They've always been distinct, and there's just something about, like, when you hear, I, when I hear a song, I know immediately when it's Britney. I don't know. I don't know if that's, like, a good thing or a bad thing, but mm. I kind of like that she doesn't disappear into mm. her songs. I kind of enjoy that. Okay. I think it's sort okay. of what makes her great. And I actually think this album is really, there's a few really good songs on this album. All right. And I'm going to make you listen to them. I'm going to Stockholm you into liking it. <laughs> Again, I've listened to the album, and I re immediately regretted it. Uh, mm. Your opinion mm -hmm. is your opinion, and I respect your opinion, and you're totally free to have it. But again, this album's been out for like uh, two weeks, and I haven't, I haven't, I, ha I haven't, this is the first time I've talked about this album with anybody. Mm -hmm. And I work in mass okay. media. Right. <laughs> it did debut at number three, which is, ugh. Not hot. Well, it went up against, like, Frank Ocean, right? It did go up against Frank Ocean. Um, but what's... Yeah, And right, that new yeah, Young Thug album, which is amazing. It's amazing. Jeffrey? Oh, my yeah. God. Young See? Thug is the... Oh, God. We need to save our Young Thug um, 
Frank Ocean conversations for next week. Because if you're talking about, like, who is doing really interesting stuff with, like, black masculinity, like, I'm way more interested in Young Thug's, like, output right now than I am with Frank's, if I'm being, okay. like, violently honest. But you okay. should listen to Frank's album. We should talk about that rollout. We'll talk about it next week. Um, he made us wait four years. I think it'll still be relevant in, like, a week or two. Um, and I actually think this album is, like, one of those out. Al- There's been, like, a few albums where I feel like taking time to, like, really delve into it before talking about it has actually been beneficial. Like, Kendrick's, like, to, to Pimp a Butterfly, kind of Beyonce's album. I feel like this is in that trifecta of, like, dense black albums that people are sort of not rushing to just, like, talk about absentmindedly. So I'll send it to you, okay. and you should listen to it. Okay. Um, okay, we should really quickly do our good friend um, slash Devil Tongue. Um, you should go first, because <laughs> mine are the same. Wait, oh yeah, yours are the same. Okay, um, well, my good friend? Oh yeah, Colin Kaepernick's my good friend, because he's he's doing something cool, and something that people don't, uh, yeah, I think people, a lot of people are misunderstanding of, of what he's doing. The uh, the whole protesting the 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 national anthem thing I think is is uh, yeah it's just controversial but guess what that's the point of a protest and right. it's got gotten a lot of people talking about it and that's the point so thank you Mr Kaepernick for being a true patriot for being a true patriot thank you I love that he did that something really that doesn't happen nearly enough in this country one hundred one hundred percent. You think standing up and just, like, looking at the flag quietly for, like, a minute and a half is patriotic? How about putting your entire career on the line to, like, literally represent what it represents? <laughs> this shit could fuck him be- over. Look, he loves America. Get over it. Get over it. Yeah, honestly, since when is loving America required that you just shut up and, like... That is literally, like, a totalitarian way of thinking about democracy. Like, to love America, you need to shut up and just honor it. Like, excuse me? Like, literally, I do not get it. And it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with the military, so I don't want to hear about that. He obviously loves the military. He's obviously grateful for what the people in the military do for this country. I'm so sick of hearing about the military. Like, shut up. I get it. Oh, my God. Since when is the flag literally just a logo for the army? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm an American. The flag also represents me. It doesn't just represent troops going ab- like abroad. It doesn't just represent fucking, like, drones or wartime. Like, anytime someone says anything about America, it's like, um, our troops are currently... Like, <laughs> shut up. Like, We know how you feel every... about snipers. <laughs> they're cowards. We know how I feel about snipers. Yeah. We're, they're cowards. We know who our future army is going to be. Like, fat people who play, like, Counter-Strike right now. Like, I'm not yeah. exactly, like on my knees screaming with appreciation for the army, like, get back at me when there's a draft, and I'm like, they're so brave. They should really just go. Like, obviously, I'm, like, weak and pathetic and would never join it, but (laughs) I just am, like, so... I'm so sick of, like, America constantly conflating its identity with the army. Like, we are a lot of things, and, like, I reject the idea that, like, everything is a a triggering offense for... The arm, I don't know. It is where everyone goes. It's immediately where everyone goes. They're so yeah. offended. And also, like, anytime a politician says that, I'm like, how many of your motherfucking kids are serving? Like, yeah. like you serious? Like, like our, our army is so brave. Like, really? Because I have a feeling if, like, one of your kids said they wanted to join the army, you would definitely pull them out. If there was a draft, I'm sure you would definitely negotiate and have their draft card burned. Like, You're give right. me a break. Not once. Not so once. So, anyway, 
Colin Kaepernick's my boy. I wish he was better at playing quarterback, yes. but that's the that's just the state of the Niners. So, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. And who's your good friend? Uh, well, he was my good friend, and my devil tongue. I oh, think you can best. just go ahead and just make it you because you fucking ditched <laughs> me yesterday, dude. Hate crime and devil tongue. I'm really starting to feel like Nasir. Yeah. What if we were skyping right now and you saw me carve a crown into my neck with a blade? And then smoke crack out of a tinfoil piece of tinfoil. All at once. All at the same time. Like, one with one hand, like, on my knee, the other carving. What if I put I'm Sinbad down. on my knuckles, but sell it Thinbad? That'd be, I'd be down with that. Thinbad or Aladdin. Thinbad. But why, yeah, what was the Sinbad thing about it? I never really got that. Is it just because it said sin on one hand and bad on the other? Um, I think it was a mix of, well, at first he was like, our, like, who do you identify more with, Aladdin or Sinbad? I feel like that was like a race thing, right? Oh, is like, that a line? Being... Yeah, 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 that's what uh... his guy says at first, and he's like, who do you like more? And he's like, Sinbad, and he's like, I like that, like Sinbad. I don't um, even know and then, the and then Sinbad the story. Pad. Yeah, I don't, the Seven Seas. It, oh, is that what it is, Sinbad in the Seven Seas? Right, isn't it? It's, it's one of the know. Arabian Nights, it's one of the stories in the Arabian Nights, I oh. think. Um, okay. Which, of course, we do not read in English class. Fucked up. I read the Bible eighty six to... times. What? We read Bible stories all the time in in like high school English. Did you? I not? don't remember that. No, I don't remember that. Wait, what? Uh, we read the Bible as literature Bible. all the time. Oh my I god! I don't remember. Well, we did. We did. Well, I don't know. We don't read the Quran. You don't. You don't get pissed about that. <laughs> the stories are the same. <laughs> They're literally the same. Oh yeah, are they? Pretty much, like literally, like mo- like all the big stories are pretty much the same. It's just a reboot, frankly. The New Testament right. is really just—it's like the Force Awakens, like different but similar. Um, but yeah, like Moses, it's like the same story. Like all that stuff is in the Quran. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, but maybe that's proof that we should read it. Maybe like maybe they should assign the same stories and have people read them all from the different books so people realize the truth. I feel like um, you, there's a w- the way to like yeah you could easily like. Some smart history teacher should be, like, taking some really awful verses from the Bible and some really, like, beautiful verses from the Quran and be like, guess which one's from which book? And then, like, talk to kids when the super crazy stuff comes out of the Bible. Right, like that video where it's like, listen to this quote from Trump, and then they're like, actually, it was, like, Hitler. Yeah, and right. Do you still agree? And they're like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> or like, right. listen to this evil quote for like great quote from Trump. Like, actually, it's from a murderer. Like, always <laughs> something so annoying. Yeah. So yeah, you're the bad. You're the devil tongue. Uh... Wow. Thank you so much. Um, my good friend and devil tongue are one and the same. Um, <laughs> though I will quickly say, actually, maybe our good friend, maybe like the show's good friend, should be Gene Wilder, who passed away. Actually, oh last yeah. Week. Which is which was so sad. Um, I mean, he's old. Do we really need to mourn every old guy old. death? He right. He was old. It's like, it wasn't. Right. He he was like eighty six or something. He lived yeah, a yeah. good life. He lived a yeah, good totally. life. And Time he to was in one of my favorite celebrity relationships in Hollywood history. Him and Gilda Radner obsessed. Um, so they're probably what? fucking in oh, heaven right. right now, and I'm so excited. Gilda Radner. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, good good for them. You didn't know? Yeah, they were together. She died of cancer while they were together. Oh. She was like the love of his life. Um, oh. and I'm so happy that they're back together. Yeah, no, he's 86. Also, like, greatest Willy, like, great Willy Wonka. Like, I love Willy Wonka. I love Young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. Um, he's, he was just the best. The producer okay, super so, classic. I know, okay, keep going. Super, super classic. So cute. Um, 
And and he looked like he literally looked just like um, this guy who was the um, re- like I was his editor in the school paper. His name was Pruny, Patrick Rooney. I called him Pruny. Um, <laughs> and okay, so my good friend and Devil Tongue are one and the same. They go to um, Lou Pearlman, the architect uh. of all my favorite '90s boy bands, and um, a serial rapist. Um, <laughs> He um, assembled the Backstreet Boys. He, I think, had a hand in NSYNC. He helped create O-Town and, like, started that show Pop Stars. Um, or making the band, actually. Making um, the band. Before Di- yeah, making the band. Before Diddy bought the property to make his show, it, it originally made O-Town. Um, so Lou Pearlman started all these bands. He went to jail, actually, for, like, fraud, for, like, tax evasion, for, like, for, like, taking money from these bands. Um, though I do think... I don't think he was convicted for it, but it's, like, a known thing that he also, like, molested, like, a lot of the kids in these He bands. fucked some boys. Just say it. He fucked some boys, but not just some boys. I really think he fucked um, Nick and Lance Bass. I, I think oh. he really did. Um, oh. Just because yeah, they're just so... They're, like, going through it. Like, they're yeah, just they're, they're like, they're the, the ones... They're a little fucked up. Like... I don't know. I think there's a lot of things that happened. I mean, that's that family is just weirdly fucked up. Like their sister killed herself. Like just like a lot of weird stuff. But mm. I watched this documentary about the Backstreet Boys. It's on Netflix. Um, and Nick is just very emotional, erratic. Um, he just displays a lot of signs mm. of like sexual abuse and trauma. He has abandonment issues. And I think it's like a pretty known thing that in a situation like that, like a child molester targets like the weakest individuals and. Aaron and Nick were, like, always the youngest people in any room. Um, So, I don't know. I just have a feeling he did, which is terrible. So, Lou Pearlman is, like, a fucking monster. I'm so glad he's dead. Um, (laughs) He's also your good friend. But he's also my good friend because he was Mm. the creator of things that brought me so much joy. I, I choose to say in spite of him, but, you know... I'm not separating the artist from the monster because, like, honestly, as great as the Baxter Boys were, like, I could have done without if it meant, like, these kids weren't, like, getting a little pearl in their man, if you feel me. Um, But he is still... Yeah, he's a really, like, a sickeningly large part of my childhood. So good friend goes to the things Lou Pearlman made and devil tongue goes to the things that Lou Pearlman did. Um, yeah, fucking die, you ass. Yeah, Rotten he's hell. dead. He died in jail. And as you know, my favorite thing is what? Um, um, revenge? Mm, that's true. But when someone goes to jail, what is my favorite thing about jail? <laughs> oh, prison law. You love prison, prison law. Prison law! You yeah. know his ass was probably beat in the slammer, I pray. He literally was like 350 pounds, very unhealthy, old. He looked like Bernie Madoff and Jared Fogle put together. Nightmare. Yeah. I hate to break it to you, but he probably went to white collar jail, which is like pretty... You think so? Yeah. I don't know. When you... I think he like... Okay, don't you only go to white collar jail, not just if you were rich, but like if you still are rich. Like, I think you went bankrupt and like... I don't know if he... But I think you go to... But I think it's not just rich people. I think it's, like, for nonviolent crimes. Oh, right. I keep like, yeah, non-drug, taxes, non-violent not for crimes. the molesting. Right. Yeah. Ugh, you're probably Like, right. Jerry yeah, Sandusky okay. is totally getting a full of prison law. I don't know if, I don't know if Ron Perlman is, did. Oh, my God. No, Lou Perlman. <laughs> Lou Perlman. Ron Perlman. What did I say? I said Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. Yes, the, the OJ. The actor from Hellboy. 
Right. Um, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. Right. Do you think Jerry Sandusky is getting prison law? Yeah. Jer- yeah. Jerry Sandusky is getting eating his fucking breakfast through a straw every morning. Oh, I literally, I love. Like, this is another reason I'm like channeling Nazir. Like, I'm literally bloodthirsty and I love prison <laughs> law. Like, I'm Nas. Like, literally. God, I can't Tight. believe that's it. That's so cool. I love it when when you uh, are the subject of an HBO miniseries. I, lo- I love it, too. It's happened so much. First, the jinx. <laughs> yeah, the jinx. <laughs> and now this. <laughs> I'm so... What a year. What a year for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> what a crazy year. What a crazy year. My star is rising and falling as we yeah. speak. Um, Damn. But, yeah, devil time. Uh, and also, good friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, okay. I hate myself. I'll let you battle your inner demons uh, alone. Thank then. you. Yeah. Thank you. Sounds about right. In my in mm. my um, isolated cell, after you burned my bunk. Totally. <laughs> um. So God bless. Thank you guys for listening. Next week we will be talking about um Frank Ocean. So yeah. I urge anyone who has access to like oh and Young Thug yes Young Thug God bless is on Spotify. Frank Ocean, you have to download Apple Music, um, so I guess do that. Um, even though he should make it free on his website, I think, but Yeah, whatever. fuck that. Fuck that. Um, yeah, okay. All right. Ah! Um, okay. Have a great day, and B-movie. B-movie. Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. Run through the meadows, scare up the milking cows, run down the beach, kicking clouds of sand. Walk a windy weather day, feel your face blow away, stop and listen, love you.